Welcome to Wrecked, a podcast. <laughs> 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 I'm Christopher Trout, co-founder of The Grass Agency, a cannabis creative agency, and I'm joined today by my co-founder, Rena Caria. Hey, Rena. Hello, Christopher. And Brandy Moody, a weed, wine, and food marketing consultant. Hello. Hey. How's everybody doing today? We're good. Great. Fantastic. It is a big day for legalized weed in California, specifically for medical marijuana patients. Today, uh, Senate Bill 34, also known as the Dennis Perone and Brownie Mary Act, was signed into law by our governor, Gavin Newsom. Woot, woot. Which, for some of us, means a whole lot, and for a lot of people, probably does not mean a whole lot. SB 34 basically made it so that weed companies could give free weed to medical marijuana patients. Basically, like, two 15s back, right? Sort of? Kind of. Well, 215 went away when 64 took over. Right. But this this whole thing kind of really deserves a bit of a history lesson. So to take it way, 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 way back to its roots, back in the 90s, following the AIDS epidemic, a man named Dennis Perone started the first dispensary in the United States. It was called the Cannabis Buyers Club. And it was based off of other buyers clubs for people with HIV. He basically created the first dispensary in order to give HIV patients access to weed. And oftentimes, that access was free. When Prop 215, which was the Medical Marijuana Act, made medical marijuana legal in California, the first state in the United States to do so, it basically said, giving weed to people who are sick is legal. And that was what we had up until 2018 when Prop 64 was passed. Prop 64 made adult use legal, but one of the things that got left behind was this idea of compassionate use, right? Or compassionate care. And basically what that means when it comes to marijuana is the free exchange of weed or the free donation of weed to people who are sick, terminally ill, and low income. When Prop 64 passed, that just disappeared. It became illegal to give weed away for free unless you were part of a small subset of companies that were allowed to do so. But it also meant that absolutely every point in the process of cultivation, sale, storing, all this stuff was taxed, right? So even if you could, if you were an organization that was allowed to give weed away for free, you were taxed so excessively that you couldn't make it happen. In 2018, very soon after Prop 64 passed, a lot of these organizations started to shut down. There was a lot of talk around what was happening. And the Bureau of Cannabis Control started to recognize that they had made a mistake. Or, as some people put it, an oversight. I was just going to say, was that an oversight? (laughs) (laughs) Well, according to both of our guests, it wasn't an oversight, right? Mm -hmm. I think they both believe, and a lot of people believe, that this was a play for money, Mm -hmm. right? That it was all about tax revenue, and that it wasn't a mistake that patients were left behind. It was a part of the plan. 
So in 2018, California Senator Scott Weiner puts he puts forth a Senate bill called SB 34 uh, or the Compassionate Use Act, also known as the Dennis Perone and Brownie Mary Act. And basically what that what that allowed for, what that was pushing for was the ability for dispensaries or other organizations, you know, you could you could be a brand, a whatever, grower and nonprofit. Right. And be able to give away free weed to people that need it the most, right? It also would exempt those companies, it would exempt the donation of weed for those purposes from sales tax. And today, as of the day that we're actually recording this, SB 34 was passed, Mm -hmm. which means that these organizations are going to be allowed to give away free weed again. You know, great, this thing has happened. Finally, we got this thing back, whatever. But what it doesn't take into account is the damage that's already done. And the fact that the work of the people who created the movement that actually made weed legal in California are really being forgotten about, Mm -hmm. which brings me to our first guest, Wayne Justman. I was diagnosed HIV positive in 1988. The only choices we had in those days were were AZT and Xeric, very toxic medicine because the stomach was upset. You didn't sleep well. Uh, food w- 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 was terrible. And a friend of mine, come on up, let's smoke a joint. And I went up to his, his room, we, we smoked a joint. He told me where he got it at 184 Church Street. This is about 1994, I guess. I went over there and I, and I, Dennis happened to be right at the front door. I said, listen, I, uh, I need to talk to you and I think you need to talk to me. I think I can help you and you can help me. Proposition 215, 251 words was developed at Dennis's home, and, and, and it was right there until um, November in 1996 when it was passed. And so I thought, you know, we need, when I say we, I'm talking about the cannabis patient. We need something to protect ourselves, and here's what I'd like to do. Can we have the Department of Public Health issue, just issue, a cannabis card with the name Department of Public Health, City County of San Francisco, the photo of the person, no other information, we wrote up the resolution, it passed the committee, it passed the supervisors, and it became uh, law. I'm not sure how many people early on uh, uh, got into the program, uh, but it certainly has been successful. And now, of course, we have the state card program and, and other card programs, etc. Wayne has, despite being um, diagnosed with HIV 31 years ago, has been using cannabis consistently throughout that his virus has never converted to aids um he's he's been lucky enough to live with hiv while he's seen so much destruction which i think is pretty amazing Mm -hmm. um wayne is a master shit talker (laughs) (laughs) i've talked to Lori ajax a bit she thinks that they did a good job sure Sure she did. She's a bureaucrat. So, uh, Miss Lady Person, then why are so many farmers bitching? Miss Lady Person, then why are so many dispensaries bitching? Miss Lady Person, why is it that some patients can't afford to pay the tax? 
I also talked to Steve D'Angelo at Harborside. <laughs> Good for you. And there's a money boy. There's a money boy. Knowing how I busted my ass, knowing how Dennis busted his ass, and all of our patients that busted their ass took the chances. And Steve, now you want to, and he's making a ton of money. One of the things that Wayne brought up that I I thought was kind of striking at the beginning of our interview was, you know, he talked a lot about the, this loss of history. He was like, you know, people that are getting into marijuana right now are getting into it for the money. And that's not what this was about. This was about access to medicine for people who were sick, for people who didn't have other options or for people whose options were to take uh, medication that w- could possibly kill them. Right. Mm-hmm. For the people that started the movement that legalized marijuana in California and thus the rest of the United States, eventually those people were doing it specifically for sick people. I mean, it's clearly like the message is it's an afterthought now. Right. You know, mm-hmm. that like people that actually are using it medicinally are kind of an afterthought because they're not the big money makers mm-hmm. is really what it translates to. Right. Yeah. Like you can't really do a sexy ad campaign like for a weed company uh, saying that like, oh, this will like ease pain. You know, it's not really as like flashy as saying it's like recreational. The first law was called the medical marijuana act like how did you forget about medical patients that's what the whole system was based on hi my name is tracy ryan i'm in a company called canna kids and i think it's important for everyone to know that for the last four and a half years we have been supplying medicine to dumb patients and we can't afford to operate tracy ryan is the founder and ceo of canna kids which is a cannabis tincture company focused on treating children, basically, who have terminal illnesses. And the way that Tracy came about this is really, really heartbreaking and um, pretty interesting, too. We ended up starting this company when we became inspired by mine and my husband's little girl, Sophie. Sophie was originally diagnosed at eight and a half months old with a low-grade brain tumor. It's called an optic pathway glioma. It was through um, a chain of events on social media that my family and I were connected to Ricky Lake, the television host, and um, uh, also, you know, movie star. She and her producing partner, Abby Epstein, had begun a new documentary called Weed the People, which is now on Netflix. And they were the ones that brought me all this information on how cannabis was working uh, in cancer trials. I was on Ricky Lake. Shut up. Yeah. When? Uh, I was on Ricky Lake in about 1998 or 99. I got a makeover. Oh, you did? I did. Yeah. What was the What was the makeover? Because like the makeover wasn't just a makeover episode. There had to be some kind of. It was a surprise episode. I my fashion was trapped in the 80s, and so my friend surprised me with an and we took a bus tour all around Manhattan. That's so. And everyone got their surprises on the bus tour. Someone got engaged. Someone else met 112. Someone else got to go to a <laughs> someone else got to go to a Mets game. Dang. And I got like a friend's Jennifer Aniston haircut. Hey. You you got yeah. the Rachel. I got the Rachel and I got a new outfit at Bang Bang. I don't know if you guys remember it's uh-uh. a New York reference, but 
Yeah, I was on Ricky Lake. That's super cool. And wow. the funniest part is that on the bus, I leaned over to Ricky Lake and told her that um, that Crybaby was <sighs> one of my favorite movies. I have a Crybaby tattoo. Oh, yeah, well, that yeah. was one of my favorite movies. And she looked at me like, you aren't really here for real. Because actually, <laughs> my friend was writing a paper on... Um, it was for a school project. My friend yeah. was writing a paper on how talk shows were like lowbrow performance art. Mm-hmm. So we went on it. Anyway, yes. shame. Well, Ricky Lake is awesome. Yeah. And I love that we get a chance to talk to her, talk about her on this show. Mm-hmm. Mostly because like, okay, so she's gone through many, many iterations, this woman. She's done a lot of different things. She was like, you know, a um a muse for John Waters. Then she had her talk show. And then her sort of third act has been as a documentary filmmaker. She made a film called The Business of Being Born that was was so good. Very good. And then recently, another Netflix documentary called Weed the People. And that's where Tracy comes in. When we found out about Sophie's brain tumor, I had no idea this would be the gift from God to her. What kind of medicine are we giving her? The good kind. Her daughter took her first dose of cannabis on camera for Weed the People. And what we ended up seeing and how fast this tumor was shrinking in her immunological response and how it was helping her not throw up all the time, how she wasn't losing her hair like she was supposed to, um, how she was recovering from surgeries. It, like, there were so many miraculous happenings. We knew that we were really on to something. And since then, Tracy has gone on to do a crazy amount of advocacy work and creating her own businesses and just, I mean, she's out there doing this stuff and she's hella positive about it in a way where I'm like, oh my God, she's like a superwoman for sure. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. She basically got a bunch of pounds of marijuana left on her doorstep Yeah, <laughs> and she had to do something with it. So she created can of kids, which is great. Yeah. Can of kids is a medical tincture line that is currently available in the state of California, but we are actively working on both national and global expansion. We also consider ourselves advocates uh, and uh, a, a shop in which you can come and get education to. Hence the reason we built saving Sophie in the first place. But even more than that, we are now currently doing research at one of the top um, research facilities and universities in Southern California. We're really looking at what cannabis is doing to cancer patients from an immunological standpoint. We've had 14 patients enrolled. We've been studying the blood of patients who consume cannabis. And through that, we've been looking very closely at their immune system, specifically their natural killer cell function, so it is our 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 biggest goal is to really uncover um, the mysteries behind what cannabis is doing and why we're seeing this immunological response in patients. And we are there. We are we are we have made some discoveries that are uh, potentially the biggest in the field, and we're very excited about it. So we, we're very mission driven when it comes to not only providing a quality product that's been lab tested since the day we opened over five years ago. But we also have access to nurses that can provide dosing support, clinical research, advocacy, and education. And it seemed like leading up to 2018, everything was gonna everything was gonna work out. I mean, obviously her daughter's always gonna always gonna have this illness, but she's working on research to figure out how mm-hmm. to counteract these things. She's working on, you know, a product line to help 
kids like her daughter Sophie and everything seems good and she's excited about prop 64 and she votes for prop 64 and she's there at the big you know the big party when it gets passed and then going under my friends are closing their doors they're moving states and nonprofits can't afford these kinds of expensive fees i didn't capitalize on the green rush i was saving lives while everybody else was making millions of dollars and what i want to know is what are you going to do for me what are you going to do for the patients who are paying 40% taxes, who are barely making their rent, who can't afford car payments, whose kids are hospitalized, they're living out of the Ronald McDonald home, and cannabis is the only hope they have, and it's working for them. And I have to look these patients in the eyes, and I have to tell them not only can I not donate medicine to them anymore because it's considered tax evasion, but I can't donate medicine to them, period, because I can't keep my doors open. My staff is in the parking lot crying, trying to f figure out the regulatory hurdles. Nobody's thinking about us, the little guys, the small operators. We don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. This plant saves lives. Tobacco and alcohol is, what kind of regulatory do they have compared to cannabis? And those two drugs kill you. They put people in rehabs. They give you cancer. The very You could hear the pain in her mm -hmm. voice of, of not being able to provide this medicine to people and just like leaving people high and dry. But, you know, her hands were tied. She didn't want to do anything illegal. And it's been two years. So, like, what happened to these people? It's sad to think about that. Right. There are so I mean, lots of people could have died by now or and or died less comfortably well or, that's that's something that or Wayne had to, says yeah or go to had, opioid i was just gonna say yeah. or have to find an, an alternative that isn't as great for them you yeah know? i mean compromise I, their alternatives yeah yeah when i asked wayne like where would you be if it weren't for cannabis and he told me he's like i might be dead i'm not trying to be funny I, I really mean it. I might be. I might be dead because I don't know uh, how how this has been a positive effect for me and my my body and the virus. Kids come into our patient. Uh, hey, Wayne, Dennis, we just just found out I'm HIV positive. Oh shit! You know, three months later they're dead. Ooh, wait a minute. Why them and not me? Chris? What? Roger's dead. Why them and not me? The entire history of legalization of marijuana has been in this like medical silo, right? Right. And then all of a sudden you just like dump that and you don't even talk about it anymore. You don't acknowledge it. I mean, we used to have to get doctor's notes to, to go buy it. I think I told him I got cramps. And I remember one time the doctor was like, that'll work to get me my <laughs> medical Shit. card. You know, and it, it just, yeah, I think for a long time it was treated kind of like, as like a joke, like a facade, right? Like we all have to play this game of saying we need it for medical reasons when really we just want to get high. But I think for so many people, it was about a, a medical reason. Well, and Lori Ajax found that out real quickly. It's on the internet, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't need to go talk to anybody. You could have just Googled it. Or, you know, like you didn't, you didn't, uh, do your research. I have a hard time believing that she, the intelligent, very thorough person that she is, that we have seen her to be, just forgot. 
I have a hard time believing that Jerry Brown just forgot. Because I, you know, there was a moment where I was like, well, why would you, why would you do that? Like, why in the world would anybody want to make it hard for low income people with terminal illnesses to get medicine? Like, why would you do that? Some bastards who were opposing me and wanted me arrested and yelled at me. Now they say it's okay because they can make tax money out of it. Oh, I see. It was before, it was bad before when someone uses cannabis. Okay. Oh, but now you can get tax money to do A, B, and C. Okay, now, now, now we'll do it. All right, what changes? The money? Is that what changes our, our, our world? Money? The state needed to meet this $1 billion mark that they said they were going to hit. They hit $346 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a result, they taxed everybody these ridiculous amounts. They also made it so that you couldn't exchange weed for free because how am I going to make money off of free weed? Uh, and in the end, that drove a lot of people out of the business and a lot of people into the black market, and it destroyed these compassionate use programs. Right, uh, and then you expect, like, for, like, oh, keep speaking up, which to me is, like, eye roll, because it's like, okay, you're going to tell someone who has PTSD, who's living off of, like, veteran, you know, benefits and is doing all they can just to stay afloat, you're going to ask them now to be an advocate, you know, to like start like going out and speaking and talking to their senator. It's like they they got to get out of bed. You know what I mean? Like, that's a big ask. Why is it on them? Yeah, wh- exactly. Like, why is it on them when like you're the government? You should be kind of this should be all in your purview. One of our previous guests, Jennifer Lujan of mm-hmm. Ease, who was actually the person that told me about Senate Bill 34 and like really got me thinking about the fact that we had basically forgotten about the patients or whatever, right? She had an organization called Weed for Good that shut down, which is why she's at ease. So she had to shut it down within the first year. And a lot of these organizations just shut down. The question is, will they come back? Can they come back? Well, I mean, or have these people moved on to other things? Or have they found other avenues to go about it? And ultimately, the question that I keep on coming back to is like, is Senate Bill 34 enough to keep the spirit of compassionate use alive? And like, we're talking about it here, but what's happening in other states? Mm-hmm. And what's going to happen when we legalize federally? And if we continue to look at this thing as a vice as opposed to a medicine, why even think about the patients? Right. Why bother with that part of it if we're going to be regulating it like it's a drug, like a recreational drug everybody in an, an official position even uh scott weiner who's the senator who you know proposed sb34 called it an oversight and i mean try saying that to wayne justman try saying that to a dude who's been living with hiv for the past 31 years who was there at the inception of legal marijuana as it was created for people like him mm-hmm but now there's a bevy of HIV pharmaceutical. Like, is it Humera? True. We can get prep over the counter in California. Now. Yeah. So, I mean, as that increases, you could see where, like, the importance of medical marijuana for HIV patients would go down, you know? Well, as HIV has as uh, sort of the 
the growth of HIV has stemmed, right? Which is amazing and great and all those things. And having access to PrEP is also a great thing. But like, he's, you know, people with HIV are no longer the only people benefiting from this. And it happened very Mm -hmm. quickly. Like when Perone opened the first dispensary, when he opened the Cannabis Buyers Club, it was for people with HIV, but very quickly people with glaucoma and people with epilepsy and people with autism and all of these other conditions started rolling in. And now we, now we see Tracy Ryan doing amazing amounts of research to figure out how medical marijuana can be used to treat pediatric cancer. Mm -hmm. But like, it's crazy to me again, that it's this mom Mm -hmm. who is at the forefront of cannabis research, right? (laughs) That's what she says. She says they're, they're doing more than anybody else right now. And saying that, I guess, I don't know if it's the government that only 3% gets dedicated to pediatric pediatric cancer cancer. research. 3% of government funding is what she said goes to pediatric cancer research. So a few years ago, before adult use was legal, bud tenders referred to everybody. You had to refer to everybody as a patient. And, oh, right. and so like the even the language that you were training people and that were using was patients, medical treatment. And then literally overnight, it was like, no, they're just customers. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. so everyone's kind of had to change. And you're no like you retrained everyone in there to not serve that sect anymore Mm -hmm. so that's i also think is really interesting too i mean not that anyone should 100 percent get their medical advice from a bud tender but you know for (laughs) especially not the bitches i've been going (laughs) yeah but i think but i think like for a long time like that that was the language surrounding it was wellness. Yeah. Where now it's not as much, you know? So I think that's an interesting, like, you know, not just from like a governmental perspective and legislation, but even trickling down into the dispensary, the language has flipped to not serve medical patients anymore. While Prop 64 did not turn out the way that we expected it to, I don't think there was malcontent on the part of Lori Ajax and the BCC necessarily, right? Like, I don't think they were out to fuck over the industry. And a lot of people will give her props where props are due. Like, even even Tracy is like, look, I appreciate how hard her job is, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I've heard that from so many people. Everybody who has something to say about her also has some very nice things to say about her and the work that she's done and the big job that she's been given to do. Except for Wayne. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But he's a, you know, he's an interesting guy. He's a very strong character. Um, And I, I don't know. It's, it's awesome to get to meet somebody who was that instrumental because there's, there are fewer and fewer of them around, you know, and Mm -hmm. their voices are disappearing, you know, and in their place, we get Gary Vaynerchuk and Chelsea Handler. I know. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's like listening to Wayne and Tracy, like it's so funny. It's like every time I listen to someone like Wayne or I think about that aspect of cannabis, I always wish that we'd never passed 64, you know, and that we were just back in this like ambiguous medical world. And it was really just focused on that. And if you really wanted to get be legit, you get a doctor's note, you know, because it's like, he, of course he doesn't have an email. He's on the front lines, man. He's like out there fighting the fight. That's why he doesn't have email or a phone. He doesn't have time to get one. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's, too, he's too busy hanging oh. out at Urban Farm. Yeah. <laughs> 
right. it, was, it was such a simpler time in October of 2016. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really was. I mean, it was a simpler time up until January 1st of 2018, you know? Yeah. But here we are. Mm-hmm. Wrecked is a podcast of The Grass Agency. I'm Christopher Trout. My co-hosts are Rena Karia and Brandy Moody. We're produced and edited by Kyle Mock, and our theme music is by Regender. Follow us at The Grass Agency on Instagram and Twitter. We'll see you next week. <laughs>